This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. This episode of This Week in HPC is brought to you by DDN, the leader in parallel storage and data management for AI, big data, and HPC use cases at scale. Visit ddn.com. Microsoft pulls off Jedi trick. Any's next petawopper. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined by Tiffany Trader and Doug Black of HPC Wire and Enterprise AI. Thanks for joining us, guys. And, Doug, we're going to start in Enterprise AI this week because... The Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure, which has the wonderful geeky acronym JEDI out of the Department of Defense, has awarded a $10 billion, that's billion with a B, Pentagon contract for cloud services to Microsoft Azure in a bit of a surprise, snaking the contract away from Amazon Web Services. Yeah, that's right, Addison. And uh, I think we can assume this is probably the biggest deal in the history of uh, the public cloud industry. And, you know, with $10 billion at stake, it's not surprising there was plenty of controversy surrounding it. The process began more than two years ago. And, um, you know, the contract is so big, in fact, it, it broke out of the trade press and into general news media coverage. Uh, part of that was due to President Trump who was an avowed adversary of AWS CEO and Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos, uh, Trump calling last July for scrutiny of the contract process at a time when AWS, at least according to uh, uh, conventional wisdom, uh, AWS, a co-finalist with Microsoft Azure, seemed very much to have an inside track. Um, But the following month, the Secretary of Defense announced that a review would, in fact, happen. But issues surrounding Jedi were raised really long before Trump's uh, July statements. Oracle filed an unsuccessful action last year claiming that the field was tilted because a former AWS employee helped draft the Jedi RFP to AWS. And uh, that RFP called for a single source cloud provider, which seemed to point toward AWS, obviously the largest player in the cloud industry, uh, while also running controversy. Contrary to common corporate practice of having a multi-cloud provider strategy, you know, if for nothing else than if the primary cloud system goes down. In any case, AWS in the end was the loser. And Tiffany, I think you found other information that might have worked in Microsoft's favor. Yeah, so I came across some interesting reporting by TechTarget. They did a a follow-up piece that offered some uh, offered a different perspective on this. The story by Chris Kanarakis and Ed Skinnell, they, they make the case that a critical element of, of Microsoft win was its inclusion um, earlier earlier this year in the Defense Enterprise Office Solutions blanket purchase agreement contract. That is a another huge contract, a $7.6 billion government contract that was awarded to General Dynamics and uh, partner companies um, earlier this year. And Microsoft was the big winner under that contract because it provides it provides Microsoft Office 365 cloud-based services to the Department of Defense under this blanket purchase agreement, which um, in, in this reporting, um, they, they point out that this indicates that Microsoft's offering had met the highest government security cer- certifications. Um, 
So then um, the, the fact that they had that high, that highest level of cer security certification made Microsoft much more competitive going up against Amazon for the Jedi contract. Uh, and Amazon was said to uh, have already met such certifications through the work it did uh, through the uh, Central Intelligence Agency earlier this year, sources claim in the article. So this was something that I hadn't seen anywhere else. Uh, another read on this, you know, outside of the the, the very political read, readings that we've seen on it. That was pretty interesting. Well, it's certainly clear that with hyperscale, we see large dollar figures skating around. And we talked about it in our podcast last week on This Week in HPC with some of our most recent research studies from Intersect 360 Research on the hyperscale market, which has now reached $57 billion and is now uh, concentrating even more into the top tier of 11 companies who each of them individually spent over a billion dollars on IT infrastructure to support the, these these cloud or web-facing application infrastructures. And companies like Microsoft, Google, AWS are, are at the top of the list. Now, here we get the, some of the biggest cloud, the, the biggest cloud providers, AWS and Microsoft, duking it out for this Jedi contract. And you're right, Doug. I don't. I think this is clearly the biggest single award for a public cloud service. I certainly can't think of one that's bigger. We could look at how much do we think Netflix, for example, pays to AWS on an annual basis. But even so, it wouldn't be ten billion dollars in in any one shot. So to me, this really uh, uh, has to set the bar in terms of the size of a single award for for any public cloud contract. And uh, you're right. It seems like anything this administration does is it can't be free of controversy. You love it or hate it. Uh, there's arguments around uh, just about everything this administration has done. Now, there is a time period during which uh, Amazon can essentially file a grievance and request a review as to whether this was a fair contract. I don't know that we have any indication as to whether uh, whether that would happen. And uh, certainly it seems dubious whether Amazon could get any joy out of doing such a thing. Um, but it's interesting nonetheless just to see the, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, moving this heavily into a, a cloud direction, particularly, Doug, you were talking about this as, as a sort of overarching cloud contract that brings together a lot of individual cloud services that the Pentagon had already been following. Well, that's right. The, the cloud computing is not new to the Department of Defense, but this is sort of an, as you say, an Uber cloud that helps to tie them all together. Um, and uh, in part, that could be because government certainly is known for being slow on the uptake with newer technologies. And um, Azure and Microsoft are known for their very strong investment in AI and uh, machine learning related technologies. One thing that interests me is that we don't really have an indication of to what extent this will incorporate HPC capabilities like we see out of the Department of Defense with their distributed shared resource centers. As far as I can tell, those continue to exist separately as independent supercomputing facilities. Have you seen any indication, Doug, as to what HPC capabilities might be incorporated into JEDI? No, although we do know uh, that uh, Azure uh, was an early adopter of of uh, InfiniBand, which <laughs> uh, certainly is a, is a backbone of 
of that level of computing power. And Azure also has ongoing partnerships with Cray, which is now, of course, part of HPE. And we're looking forward to seeing more, hearing more about the integration of HPE and Cray as we head into supercomputing just over a week from now. Also, this week in HPC, we got a, a lot of stories cooking here. And uh, as we head into this supercomputing conference, it looks like we're going to have a new leader in the game of LeapFrog in terms of what's the most powerful industrial or commercial supercomputer in the world, Tiffany, with a new uh, HPC 5 system at any. Yeah, that's right. So Italian energy company, uh, any um, in the in the HPC game since uh, 2013 has started work on this new cluster. They're going on this yearly, very quick cadence now, almost a yearly, basically a yearly cadence. Uh, so the, the next one that they're working on is HPC 5. As you said, uh, it is expected to offer three times the performance of their previous machine, HPC 4, um, and would reinstate any's position as a flops, uh, industri- industries of flops champ. Um, I think the system is expected to come on, online in early 2020. Currently, of course, um, as we've reported on the podcast, that the honorific goes to Total with its IBM-made Pangea 3 system that is currently number 10 on the top 500 with um, 17.9 Limpac petaflops. Uh, this the new the new Any system will be comprised of. 1,820 Dell EMC PowerEdge C4140 servers, and each of those has two Intel Gold 24-core processors and four NVIDIA V100 GPU chips, all connected with uh, top InfiniBand, Mellanox, 200-gig HDR InfiniBand, and the new system is spec at 52 petaflops peak, most of that accounting to those V100s, and comes with a high-performance 15-petabyte storage system. The most interesting thing to me about this is not just the the uh, the game of LeapFrog that goes on at the top of the list, but the fact that this system has been won by Dell. The previous system, the HPC4 system at any, was an HPE system. And now, even though HPE has acquired both SGI and Cray, uh, we're moving over to a Dell PowerEdge system for their new HPC5 deployment. So for the world's largest supercomputers, uh, you know, we, we're not typically thinking of Dell in terms of some of these huge research labs, but it gives Dell a claim of having now potentially at the same time the largest commercial supercomputer and the large ac- largest academic supercomputer with a Frontera attack. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the um, that previous system was uh, H- an HPE system, as you said. It was a twelve point two Limpac petaflops. It's still um, still still going, uh, still running, um, and that was out of an eighteen point six petaflops. So together, those two systems um, will bring the the total facility capability up to seventy petaflops peak for any. Um, at their uh, their green their green data center in Italy, uh, we do not have Olympac numbers available yet because the system I don't think it's uh, been, it's not up yet. But uh, based on the hybrid CPU GPU arch- architecture and um, you know, some of the the efficiencies we've seen with similar architectures, I mean, it would be reasonable to come in around 65 percent or so. So out of 70, that would be about 40 you know, 45.5 petaflops. We'll have to wait and, and for the next. Um, List cycle or two to see um, when they submit it, um, and I think it's it's interesting. We've seen all these different companies have different suppliers, you know, have a, a chance at the the top 
is a top industrial system. Any has changed suppliers a few times now since it launched its first um, big HPC, since it really started its HPC effort in uh, 2013. Uh, the first couple systems were, were IBM, and then right after they got their second system, I, the IBM um, systems went to Lenovo. So their third system was Lenovo, and then, like we've said, HPE and, and now Dell. And he also announced as part of their press release that HPC 5 comes with a high-performance 15-petabyte storage system with 200 gigabytes a second of aggregate read-write speeds. That sounds really nice. We don't have any indication specifically within the press release as to who the storage vendor is, leaving a little bit of ambiguity. We might infer that Dell is also the storage provider. Dell EMC is the largest provider of storage to HPC industry by revenue. Uh, and without any other indication, I'm, I'm sort of left to make that inference, but I, I will have to say that's ambiguous. We don't know that for sure. It could be a different storage vendor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and then with regards to this leapfrogging of the, the dominance in the industrial HVC sector, you know, a lot of it um, almost always, or it's, it's always been an oil and gas and the oil and gas industry, especially that's the sector that really pushes the envelope, uh, the flops envelope on the industrial side. So in the past, it's been BP or Total. Uh, recently, we, we've seen some disclosures from Shell and Exxon back at the, the beginning of the year at the Rice Oil and Gas Conference. Um and uh, Exxon, I, I just know I was looking through the supercomputing agenda. I noticed that ExxonMobil is going to be talking about their work at, at supercomputing on uh, reservoir models. So I don't know it seems like people are uh, some of these companies have been a little bit more open in, in um, talking about their work. Tiffany and Doug, thanks very much for joining me again on another episode of This Week in HPC. We'll be back again next week to not only wrap up the news of the week, but give an update of what we're going to be looking forward to heading into the SC19 conference in Denver. Tiffany, Doug, thanks for joining me, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.